Today's episode is brought to you by the Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX for short. This is AI-powered ambient technology that helps physicians be more efficient and reduce clinical documentation burden. This is awesome technology. To learn more about how DAX Copilot can help reduce burnout and restore the joy of practicing medicine, ophthalmology, and other areas of medicine as well, stick around after the episode or visit nuance.com slash discover DAX. That's N-U-A-N-C-E dot com slash discover D-A-X. Hello and welcome to Knock Knock I with Dr. Glockenflecken. That's me. I'm Dr. Glock, also known as Will Flannery, but you don't know that name. That's some of you may know that name, but yeah, it's Glockenflecken. This is Dr. G. That's me. And uh, this is the weekly episode where I will talk about all things eyeballs, eyeballs only from here on out. We're not getting below the nasal bridge here. No, it's just right there in the face. Yeah, those licking balls. Um, and uh, it's if I seem a, li- a bit punchy, it's because I probably am uh, because it's late. It just turned midnight and uh, I operated this morning. I was in the clinic this afternoon, but I knew that I'd have to stay up late to record these. I mean, I don't have to, but I, I wanted to. It was time. It was time. I, I felt the need to talk to you guys about eyeball stuff. So I had some coffee a little bit later in the day than I usually do, like 4 p.m. So that's why I'm able to keep functioning right now. I'm going to pay for it tomorrow, but that's tomorrow. That's that's tomorrow, Dr. Glockenflecken's problem. Not today, Dr. Glockenflecken's problem. Whew. Anyway, so it's getting late. I'll, I'll, I'm, but you know what? I think this is the perfect time because the kids are in bed. I got the whole house to myself. So what do I do? Talk about retina problems. That's what we're doing. So we're, our topic today is a retina thing. We did cornea last week. That was uh, keratoconus. Today, it's going to be retina. But before we get to our topic of the day, uh, I, I want to thank all of you. Because uh, you guys have, have, have been with Glockenflecken now for, for quite a while. Some of you go back to the pre-pandemic days or I was just on Twitter. Um, even some of you may remember me writing some Gomer blog articles back in the day. I wrote about 50, something like that. Maybe more than that. Gomer blog articles. Um, that was, that was way back. That was like 2015, 20, no, that was 2016, 2016 or so. And then, you know, the pandemic starting on TikTok, uh, the, the podcast, knock, knock, hi, knock, 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 I, and now we got, we got a newsletter now where we kind of like bring in some of the advocacy stuff we do, uh, some of the uh, interesting things we talk about with the healthcare system, the 30 days of healthcare series. There's just, there's been all these things and, and, and we wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff without you guys, you like watching or listening to me. Uh, and, and it's, uh, I don't take that for granted. I want to say that. And the reason I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about the whole arc of Glockenflecken and where it started and where it's where it's now, where it is now, and where it might go in the future, because we just had these live shows. We went to Kristen and I, Lady Glockenflecken, went down to Southern California to the Improv Theaters in Irvine, Ontario, and Oxnard, and we did um, uh, some sold-out live shows. It was just it was an awesome awesome experience 
great crowds every night. Uh, and this was like a test run because what we did, we spent a, a long time putting this together. And it's a very personal show um, in a lot of ways because it's our life. The show is called Wife and Death. Uh, it's it's about our lives together, meeting um, in college, and uh, the cancer diagnoses I had, the cardiac arrest, Kristen saving my life, uh, um, medical going through medical training together, which is traumatic in its own right, <laughs> and and, uh, and it's it was a lot of work. We we spent a lot of time putting this together. It's probably that's why I haven't made as many skits lately, just because it, it's it's been very busy. And we've done a lot of like keynote speaking, like we've spoken into big groups before we've gone, we go to conferences and we do the keynotes and, and that's, that's great. Those are great experiences, great crowds there as well, but it felt different doing the, these shows. And I was trying to put my finger on exactly what it is. And I, I think it's just because we were able to, to put together this 90 minute production with with skits and live skits and videos and uh and characters and monologues and it's very personal uh and 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 very funny and and we're just we're so proud of what we have made with this with this show and uh and i I think that's the difference because you know, with a keynote, like you know, you're 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 putting on something, you're giving a talk for the benefit of this audience, but it's really it's on it's on their terms, right? I'm 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 hired to to give a, an effective a, a great keynote, and I'm happy to do that. I like doing that; otherwise, I wouldn't do it. Um, but with this, with these live shows, like we we made this kind of for us that we also thought people would enjoy hearing um and watching and and so it's like it really just feels like like we did that we did all of this um Kristen and I and our producers together we have this this wonderful team and um it was it's one of the things that I think I'm probably most proud of that we've done um this very uh, fun experience a hard it was, it was hard it was hard to put it together but now that we have it it's, it's, it was, it's, it was just great. And, and then that brings me back to the crowd, the people, you, because to be able to go out on a stage in front of hundreds of people I've never met before dressed in a bicycle outfit with a helmet and sunglasses and a stethoscope, and then just have the entire crowd just burst into laughter and applause and know exactly what I'm doing, who I am, what that means, what that character means, the history of that character, all these things. Uh, it's just, it's surreal. And, and so it, it was, um, I, I, I don't have the words. I honestly, it's hard for me to find the words um, other than just to say like, Obviously, we couldn't do any of this stuff with without without you guys, and so it, it means a lot. This show means a lot, and it went so well that we want to take it around the country. Now, I do still practice ophthalmology, so I'm gonna have to figure that out. You know, I'm not quitting my day job just yet, uh, but uh, we're gonna try. We're gonna make it happen.
because it's it was a lot of fun. We got great feedback from people, um, great reviews, and uh, and it's just it's just fun to be able to do this to turn our story, which has has had so much heartbreak over the years and 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 so much sadness and anxiety and stress and to turn it into something that helps people that that shows people a side of medicine that maybe they haven't seen before but also makes them laugh and cry and feel um it it just feels good to like take a hard thing in your life and and make something good out of it that you maybe thought wasn't good at the time yeah so anyway i just had to get that out so thank you for listening to that um all right we are we are supposed to be talking about eyeballs right now so uh let me take a quick break and we'll be right back with our topic of the day hey Kristen. yes conference season's coming up it's true you know what that means lots of presentations it's a lot of work right we're making presentations we're writing emails back and forth, mm-hmm. proposals, Port. Re- all this stuff. Yeah. But you know what really helps? What's that? Grammarly. Yes. It's a it lifesaver. It helps with all kinds of writing. Yeah. I don't have to tell you. You've been using it for a long time, right? Yeah. I've used Grammarly for several years in different jobs, different fields, all kinds of writing. It really, it helps you be more concise with your writing. And mm-hmm. with email, it helps you find the right tone of your email. Yes. That can be so helpful because, you know, there's this whole like <laughs> unspoken language that's happening like, in email and Grammarly helps you get it just right. Sometimes I need help you finding do. the right tone really with my do. email. And in fact, 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. Yes. That's huge. That's amazing. It's really Grammarly is the gold standard of responsible AI. AI is in the news. You find AI mm-hmm. for everything now. But they've but, been doing it for years. Yeah. And they know how to do it. They've got lots of experience doing this. To make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly, sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Okay, so we are, today is a little bit different because, you know, I, I got a lot of requests, a lot of different topics, but um, one thing that keeps coming up is diabetic retinopathy. Now, I don't really have a patient, like a case of the day. Uh, so, you know, sometimes, I, you know, we'll do, um, uh, you know, uh, what, what are they called? <laughs> What's the animal? Zebras. <laughs> Sometimes we'll do like a zebra case that you'll never see in your life, like diabetic or like another, like a, like retinitis pigmentosa or something that only ophthalmologists really will probably see, or maybe pediatricians or something. But, um, uh, but sometimes I think it's really helpful to do common topics that a lot of, that affect a lot of people that um, um, can uh, can shine light on this really common disease that maybe it goes into a little bit more depth than you'll get whenever you're in the exam room because doctors just, we just, we're always pressed for time, right? We don't have as much time as we'd like to have uh, talking with patients about their disease. So I know there's a lot of people with diabetes out there, a lot of people who are curious about diabetic retinopathy, maybe even a lot of physicians or you know, clinicians out there that are that see a lot of patients that might have diabetic retinopathy. So hopefully this will be helpful. Uh, we're going to treat a little bit differently. I'm just going to, 
I didn't, I didn't prepare a whole lot. I, I, I know a lot about diabetic retinopathy, so I'm just going to talk about, uh, maybe give you a little, give you a few stats, uh, a little, a few studies. Uh, I'm going to try to keep it, keep it light, not get into too into the weeds, but uh, enough that you feel like you're getting your money's worth. Hopefully, none of you have actually paid for this podcast. If someone made you paid to listen to this, uh, let us know. That's not supposed to happen. Anyway, all right. So, diabetic retinopathy. Um, let me let me start off. I can start off with some uh, stats. So, this is a a really huge, a really big problem. So, among patients between the ages of twenty five and seventy five, uh, diabetic retinopathy is one of the leading causes of vision loss worldwide. So within this age group, it's a huge problem, huge problem. Once you get over 75, now you're talking like cataract, glaucoma. Those are probably more common, um, but diabetic retinopathy is right there in, in kind of young, middle-aged, and up to about 75. Um, the American Academy of Ophthalmology, this is from their website, uh, by, the, by 2030, uh, about 191 million people globally will have diabetic retinopathy. That's a lot. That's a lot. And approximately 56 million will have vision-threatening diabetic retinopathy. These are huge, huge numbers of people. Uh, the Here's another, another interesting stat here, just to give you the, uh, an idea of the scope of the problem with diabetic retinopathy. I'll just call it DR. Diabetic retinopathy. It's a lot of syllables. We have a lot of syllables in ophthalmology. The Wisconsin Epidemiologic Study of Diabetic Retinopathy, the WESDER, <laughs> could, have, could have picked a better acronym than that. Um, the cardiologists are really good at that, by the way. They always have great acronyms for their clinical studies. So shout out Wisconsin. Wisconsin Epidemiologic Study of Diabetic Retinopathy showed that after 20 years of diabetic retinopathy, sorry, <laughs> after 20 years of diabetes mellitus, 99% of patients with type 1 and 60% of patients with type 2 show some degree of retinopathy. So that just tells you how common it is. Virtually every patient with type 1 diabetes has some degree of diabetic retinopathy after 20 years, and most people with type 2. So this leads me to the like the, to answer the question that some people have is why do I have to go into the eye doctor to get my diabetic exam every year? Well, it's because the numbers are so common. And what we're doing, the reason you're coming in to see me for your yearly diabetic checkup is because the eye is the f easiest way to actually visualize the damage that comes with diabetes. So what is diabetic retinopathy? It represents the microvascular end organ damage that results from diabetes. So microvascular, small blood vessels, capillaries, arterioles, end organ. Diabetes affects every most organs in the body, the kidneys in particular, the feet, the skin, the, the heart, of uh, the 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 other ones. <laughs> I'm an ophthalmologist. I'm not going to stray outside my area of expertise. But um, diabetes causes end organ damage to all these things. The brain, strokes. So um, I'll just randomly throw out organs when I remember 
<laughs> uh, and so, yeah, the reason that uh, your primary care doctor, your endocrinologist wants you to come see an ophthalmologist, uh, well, twofold. One is they're not that great at looking at the back of the eye. It's okay. They'll be the first to admit. All right. I get it. I get it. We're just, that's just what we do. Um, and so, uh, to, to look back there, but also because, and the reason you want to look back there is because you can actually visualize those capillaries. You can see the capillaries. You can see the arterioles, the areas of bleeding, all the vasculature of the retina. It's right there. You can look at it with your own two eyes. That's, it's so, it's, it's, it's so helpful to be able to see that. So you can pick up when um, you're starting to see damage for the first time, Sometimes we will also just, we'll diagnose people with diabetes because they come in for a routine exam and I see what looks like diabetic retinopathy. Patient had no idea they had diabetes. So we will often diagnose diabetes. I would say not often, but um, because we're in medicine, we're really good about screening for diabetes now. And so uh, most of the time patients do get it, it picked up, but occasionally we get a young person that comes in and uh, hasn't been to, doesn't is not established with a primary doctor and hasn't seen anybody, but they needed some glasses or something. And then we look back there and we see areas of bleeding, diagnosis of diabetes. So it's just it that is the easiest, most the least invasive way to measure to 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 look for that end organ damage. Because like it or not, all you other organ-based doctors, the eye is an organ. That's right. And I uh, will stand by that. All right. So so that's why you're coming in for your yearly exam. So we can monitor for that. So we can look back there. What we do is we dilate your eyes and we use our little fancy equipment, our ophthalmoscope, and we look at the retina. We look all around the retina. And what we're looking for are there's there's lots of things that, that represent diabetic retinopathy. Uh, the earliest sign is called microaneurysms. So basically, it's like a weakening of the capillaries that causes a little outpouching of the capillary. This look like they look like little yellow dots. Yellow. <laughs> it's late. I'm forgetting what color blood is. Little red dots. <laughs> you do get your little yellow dots, but that's a different thing. Um, so uh, you get little microaneurysms that progresses to um, to more larger hemorrhages in the retina. You get, um, uh, in all this damage to the blood vessels, it causes loss of, of blood flow to parts of the retina. So you get what are called cotton wool spots, which is basically loss of blood flow to a part of the retina that causes swelling of that nerve tissue, because the retina is nerve tissue, basically. So you get um, like loss of blood flow to that the little parts of the retina that causes you to have swelling of that nerve tissue that shows up as a cotton wool spot. Um, and then all of this is basically just progression of diabetic retinopathy means destruction of all these little blood vessels. And when you lose blood flow, tissue becomes ischemic. Loss of blood flow causes damage. And that, that leads to progression of diabetic retinopathy even more uh, i'm just going through like the the if you just follow the progression of diabetic retinopathy to end stage you go from microaneurysms to intraretinal hemorrhages flame hemorrhages dot blot hemorrhages what they're called 
And then you get uh, you get some swelling from cotton wool spots, what we call hard exudates, which are those little yellow spots. And then as the tissue becomes more and more ischemic, you get abnormal blood vessels that start to grow into the retina. That's called neovascularization. And you might be thinking, well, that's great. Well, you're making new blood vessels. No, it's not great because those blood vessels are very fragile. They're not normal blood vessels. All right, so they're, they break very easily. You, it's easy to get hemorrhages. It's also like scarring that occurs from this process. And so you get these retinal detachments, traction, and eventually you go blind. It can be a devastating disease. One of the saddest things is when you have like a 35-year-old person who comes in, they have terrible diabetes, and usually it's just, I mean, it's hard to have diabetes in this country sometimes because of the cost of insulin, just the cost of medical care in general, difficulty with access to care. There are so many reasons why someone will have, can have a, a, a high A1C, really poorly controlled diabetes. Um, and, and, and not all of them are the patient's fault. You know, sometimes it's easy to say, oh, why don't you take better care of your diabetes? Well, there's so many factors that can affect someone's ability to keep their blood sugar under good control. All right. And, and so it's, it's, uh, and we're not going to get into all of those factors, but uh, there's economic factors, there's transportation issues, there's, there's um, uh, j- just the life circumstances. It's, it's hard. It's a hard hard disease. So it's, it's incredibly sad, you know, to, to have a young person who comes in and they've got scarring, they've got neovascularization because sometimes it's, it's hard to come back from that. Uh, so, so that is really kind of the progression of diabetic retinopathy and what we're trying to avoid by early detection, by, um, by having the patient come in once a year, monitoring for that doing and, 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 and starting treatment when needed for the eye. So let's talk about that. What exactly is treatment of diabetic retinopathy? So it's changed over the years. Um, so the, the treatment really gets started when you have, there's two things that you basically can, will, will treat with diabetic retinopathy. There's the earlier signs of what we call non-proliferative so I talked about those, those neovascularization. That's proliferative. We call it proliferative DR, diabetic retinopathy. The non-proliferative is the earlier signs, right? The microaneurysms, the flame hemorrhages, uh, the cotton wool spots. Well, one of, those, one of those signs on the non-proliferative side is swelling in, in the macula. The macula is the important part of the retina, right? That's where light focuses on your macula. That's where your fovea is right there in the middle of the macula. You need a really nice, clean macula to be able to see your best. Well, with non-proliferative diabetic retinopathy, you get swelling in that area of the retina. Uh, And so treatment used to only be able to, treatment used to consist only of laser, basically. We're talking like 20 years ago or earlier. And it, it was okay. It works. It worked pretty well, um, but not great. Uh, but then these amazing medications came along that are called anti-VEGF, anti-VEGF 
medications. Uh, because what's driving there's a what's 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 uh, driving all of this kind of neovascularization and and all, a lot of these problems is this high levels of of uh, vascular endothelial growth factor or VEGF. So there and and I'm I'm probably butchering some of this and I know some retina some of my retina colleagues are probably going to hear this and they're going to be like cringing a little bit. I'm doing my best as a comprehensive doc here, but basically, um, uh, we developed medications that you can inject into the back of the eye that shrink blood vessels, that shrink that swelling that I was talking about in the macula and allow you to see better. Revolutionized treatment of, of things like macular degeneration and diabetic retinopathy. So they're, they're, it, it totally changed the game. And now you go to see a retina doctor, they do like 30, 40, sometimes 50 injections every day because they're so effective at decreasing swelling in the retina. Now, I know it sounds terrifying to say, oh, you're, they're going to put a needle in the back, in my eye? They're going to put a needle in there and put medication. Yeah, they are. They are. It's painless. It takes two seconds. I've done a lot of them myself. I don't do them anymore because I have wonderful retina colleagues that do it, but uh, it's it's uh, it's an extremely common procedure. It's painless, and it helps you see better. For diseases that 20 years ago, you just kind of lost vision, and that was it for the most part. So anyway, that's that's one treatment that we'll do. We will still do laser. There's still laser that's done that's called uh, panretinal photocoagulation. It's like shooting asteroids. It's like a video game kind of. You're just you're just and what you're doing, you're actually destroying peripheral retina in order to decrease the amount of that VEGF that's being produced and you're you're just you're decreasing the ischemic burden that's driving the diabetic retinopathy. So, um, that's still done in very severe cases. Um, so laser injections, and then sometimes surgery is needed, you know, with diabetic retinopathy, again, you have all these little, um, abnormal blood vessels that are starting to develop and they can bleed very easily. You can get a lot of blood in the eye. Sometimes that requires a surgery. You go and you suck out that blood, um, and, um, uh, suck. It's probably a word you want to like use when you're describing it for, to like patients. Actually, that came up recently. I, I remember, um, I almost used the word scrape <laughs> to describe a surgery. Uh, and I caught myself and it reminded me of a time when I, I got in trouble for using, um, the word scrape. I was like, I should not do that again. Anyway, you, get, you gotta be careful what words you use when you're describing surgeries to patients. Uh, so you don't scare them. <laughs> scrape is like a, it's like a kind of like a trigger word for people. It's like that, that makes it sound so much worse than the surgery actually is. Anyway, suck might be another one. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, there's a surgery where you go, it's called a vitrectomy, where you go into the back of the eye and you just, uh, for lack of a better word, suck all the, the, the either blood or vitreous or both out of the back of the eye to make things clear for the patient again. So, um, so those are the, the kind of the basic treatment options that we will do for basic treatment things that we will do for people with diabetic retinopathy. There's laser, less commonly used now. Injections, much more commonly used now. Uh, and then um, um, 
also uh, uh, surgery for really severe cases. And sometimes we'll also um, inject uh, uh, steroids. So I talked about the anti-VEGF medications. There's also steroid medications that can also help decrease the swelling in the back of the eye. So lots of different treatments, and it's it's a it's a booming field, uh, a field that I am not an expert in. I will tell you that I know a lot about it because I do see a lot of patients with diabetic retinopathy, but I don't do a lot of those types of treatments. Again, I send them to my colleagues. That's the wonderful thing about being a comprehensive ophthalmologist. I can just surround myself with subspecialists who are brilliant. And they know all the, the, the latest advances in everything and are able to do those types of treatments. And I'm more than happy to just interdisciplinary approach. That's what we call it, except the discipline is all still just within the eye. But, you know, you know what I mean? Um, and that's, it's a growing field. Like there's, I feel like there's more uh, treatments coming out for diabetic macular edema uh, and diabetic retinopathy. It, it's an exploding field. And so... If you do have uh, diabetes, I do recommend finding yourself an ophthalmologist um, uh, to, to follow up with. And um, uh, especially if you have diabetic retinopathy, ophthalmologists are great uh, for just being able to having the tools to, to treat this. All right. And, uh, but th that's, that's kind of the, the rundown of it. And uh, we, we, there's so much more we could go into with diabetic retinopathy. I don't want to take up too much time here. Uh, I do think, um, uh, you know, yearly appointments is, is a good idea. You know, there's, you know, a lot of patients that, that, I mean, we see a lot of normal exams, you know, but it's, it's, you don't want to miss those abnormal ones. And it's, it's good, uh, to just stay plugged in with, with, uh, eye doctors to, with an ophthalmology practice, uh, because, um, Diabetic retinopathy can get worse quickly, and uh, and so uh, that's what you know we're there to help with, and um, and so anyway, that's that's kind of that's all I got for that. Uh, let's see, did I miss anything? I don't have a don't do that eyeball tip of the way. I forgot to come up with one. <laughs> don't don't uh, don't skip your diabetic eye exam if you can. You know, I don't know something like that. Um, uh, don't be mean to people with diabetes. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Cause I think, I feel like there's a lot of, I feel like people with diabetes, there's a lot of judgment, you know, there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, people, I, I see that on social media, you know, and, and it's like, uh, why don't you take better care of yourself or you're eating all the wrong things. There's that, that, that's, that's all coming from people that just don't understand diabetes. And I do think it's, it's helpful for those of us who do understand that it's, it's not, it's not like all just like diet. Like if you go out, you can have one person that goes out and eats, you know, a McDonald's every day, you know, for 20 years, they're never going to get diabetes. Like that's, it's, it's not, it's not just like you eat bad, you're going to get diabetes. And, and people, a lot of people don't realize that. Um, there's, there's a huge genetic component to this. Uh, and, um, there's, uh, uh, it, you know, it's more common in with certain other certain comorbidities and uh, there's just, there's a lot, there's a lot to diabetes. Uh, and so be compassionate, uh, be, um, you know, be understanding, listen to people, 
um, and and don't make judgments about others uh, because it, it's a hard, it's a really, really difficult disease to manage. It's hard to manage on the patient side and the physician side as well. Uh, and so I, I have a lot of respect for all my colleagues that do a lot of diabetes management, endocrinologists, uh, primary cares, primary care physicians and clinicians, and um, uh, you're doing great work. And I'm there for those eyes. I'll take a look at those peepers. I'll make sure that whatever, there's everything's good. So send them my way. That's all we got for today. Thank you all for this week's episode, for, for, for joining me for this week's episode of Knock Knock Eye. I am Will Flannery, also known as Dr. Glockenfleck. And special thanks to my executive producers, Aaron Corney, Rob Goldman, and Shanti Brooke. Editor and engineer is Jason Portizo. Our music is by Omer Binsby. Knock Knock High is a human content production. We'll see you next time. Knock Knock, goodbye.